Welcome to the Deep Light Podcast from Park City's Presbyterian Church. This is a space for community, healing, hope, and education around topics of rescue and growth. Our prayer for this series is that it illuminates a deeper understanding of struggles within and around us, as well as God's profound love and redemptive light in Jesus Christ. I'd like to welcome you to the next episode of the Deep Light Podcast, a ministry of Park City's Presbyterian Church. I'm honored to be here today with Catherine and Jay Wolf. My name is Frances Mitchell, and we are currently in a series of cultivating beauty of the heart. What does that look like? Hmm. It looks like things inside and outside. We have hmm. struggles within. And as you hear at the beginning of our podcast, every introduction, the prayer for this series that is that it illuminates a deeper understanding of the struggles within mm-hmm. and surrounding us. And so as we talk mm-hmm. to Catherine and Jay today, we'll talk about what living with a disability looks like from the outside, but also, as you all say, the invisible wheelchairs that we all have and walk with. Mm-hmm. And I had right. the joy of getting to meet Catherine recently at a dear mutual friend's home. And as I sat and listened to you share your journey with the harsh reality of the struggle, but also with candor and humor and hope and everything in between, I sat there and thought to myself, this this is the essence of deep light. Hmm. We want to create a space and a place for community and healing and hope and understanding. And so it is our sincere joy and honor to have you all here today. Oh, thank you. Thanks for we having are so us. glad to be here. We We're love so Dallas. So excited. We love all you people. Mm-hmm. There's all these worlds, good worlds colliding for, for the wolves. That's, That's really, right. We love Park City's Press, where like we that. are. <laughs> what a great place. Oh, also, the, so the podcast name is so good, too. I think that um, it, this idea of treasures in the dark is something we yeah. talk a lot about. And so sort of that that longing for light, but even in the depths, you know, whether it's depths of darkness or, or just the the deep and hidden places of our story. I, I love that. Mm-hmm. I love what that evokes. So well done. There's just nothing too deep or too far down mm. that is too far for God's light to reach. That's yep. right. That's yeah. beautiful. I love that. So mm-hmm. with that, I'd love for you all to share your journey. Yeah. Um, your story and how God has had a hand in every of the way. Sure. Mm-hmm. Jay, you probably, oh, you want me to Oh, I was going to say after you, we're going to point on <laughs> uh, each other. No, you should. You're more, <laughs> you're more succinct <clears throat> okay. than I well, am. Well, you are right there. But anyway, we're, we'll, we'll get it all done. Um, so Catherine and I married out of college and moved to California on an adventure in our early married life and had a baby and just had this beautiful um, season of pursuing our dreams, but also being deep, deeply rooted in our church community and um, out of the blue one ordinary day near the end of my law school time with a six-month-old new baby in the home, um, Catherine suffered a massive brainstem stroke with no warning or history symptoms, really, um, and should have died. It was a massive malformation, this rare malformation called an ABM. Um, it was the largest the neurosurgeon had ever seen and surrounding her brainstem, and it just it was not a survivable scenario, but for whatever reason, the Lord sort of put it on his heart to give her a chance to live and to go into surgery. And she came out on the other side. Um, They didn't know if she'd even wake up, but she was alive. And so that began this journey of a totally new normal and a story we never imagined that we would ever be living, a story of um, just this reality that life is so fragile and unsafe. And yet there is this thread of hope that can pull us all through and forward um, together. And so our church community you know, rallied for us. We had about two years of therapy and brain rehabs just for her to get kind of back up to a very low baseline of, of living. She didn't eat for a year, could hardly walk, could hardly sit up, could hardly talk. And just sort of, you know, day by day, sort of clawed her way out of this pit and uh, with the whole village of people and um, with me by her side too. and. Again, uh, then we kind of came back and realized we, you know, there was no going back after you've suffered. Mm-hmm. You just, um, everything's different. How you view yeah. the world is different. Mm-hmm. How you view your future is different. Mm-hmm. How you relate to community is different, all of it. And so now we had to figure out what we we're gonna do with this new life and this mm-hmm. new story. And 
Um, even having disability being a big part of the story because uh, half of Catherine's cerebellum was removed and there was all this damage in her brain that was done in order to save her life, but it, it resulted in lifelong disability from um, you know, not really being able to walk well by herself to paralysis on her right side, double vision, hearing loss, and then you know, the, the reality is the story would continue. It's, you know, to this day, Catherine lives with neurovascular, meaning, um, you know, the, the system of blood in the brain, uh, just di uh, difficulties, malformations. Um, she's had a separate aneurysm. She has continuing just unknown significant health um, scenarios. And so when we get on a stage and we share a message or write a book, like, it's not from being on the other side of, like, yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. a story that has now found its happy ending. It's mm -hmm. like we're still in the middle of this story, which is us all, you know, and um, navigating our way in the reality of life, finding that it is so hard and yet there is goodness still um, because of what we know to be true about Jesus in our stories, what we know to be true about community in our stories, that we don't carry these burdens alone. So anyway, we could um, just wax poetic about this message that we feel God has left us on this earth to, to tell, to, sh to shine this light in the darkness. But um, yeah, that was 15 years ago. We celebrated the 15th anniversary last wow. week, yeah, which is wild. Uh, it's Catherine's second chance birthday. So we call it Catherine Live Day. So Catherine that. Live 15 was last week. Um, so yeah, that's that wasn't very succinct, I'm sorry. No, it was, it was. <laughs> more, more than Ish. I would have been probably. That's where, that's where we're at. But um, we're just happy to still be showing up in our marriage and our family. And the, I will say one other thing, we had a six month old baby and then um, about seven years after the stroke, Catherine got cleared to have another baby. So we have, you know, just this, these reminders of new life where there should only miracle. be death, which is again, the gospel story yeah. with our big, big guy, James and our miracle baby, John. So family, it's, it's beautiful. It's wild. You know, nothing's one note. Um, <clears throat> we're just grateful that we still get to be here together. I, I love that so much. One of the verses that I've clung to is Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the plans that I have for you. Mm -hmm. They're to prosper you, mm -hmm. not to harm you, yeah. give you hope in a future. And some of the hope I think that we know is that we may be in shock. That was such an ultimate mm. and definite day for you all. And the shock that came, the aftershock of the treatment and everything else. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yet we rest that that was not a shock for God. Mm. He knew that and mm -hmm. he knew he knew these plans. Mm -hmm. Something that I heard you say that I love yeah. is that you can dream new dreams. <clears throat> That's right. Mm. Can you tell us a little bit about the process from that fateful day Yeah. and your second birthday, your live day mm -hmm. and where you are now, as you mentioned, in a continual struggle, but mm -hmm also in a place where you are inspiring and touching and changing so many lives. Oh gosh, well, it's it's blessing and a, a holy burden. And hmm. as far as dreaming new dreams, you know, so much of our life as children is having all these plans and all these goals and all mm -hmm. these ideas of what life's gonna look like. Mm -hmm. And then when it doesn't, the adult versions of ourselves are still waiting for those to come true and holding on to that with clenched hands mm. and saying like, but no, I'm still waiting for my one fabulous dream from when I was six years old. Mm. And how many people do we know who tragically spend their whole lives waiting for their childhood dream to come true? You know, mm -hmm. I mean, what a sad way to live. I, for one, I imagine neither of you um, want to live that way, want to be on our deathbeds mm -hmm. and wishing that six-year-old Catherine's dream came true. Forget that. <laughs> I got new dreams, mm -hmm. and the, God has given us capacity to dream new dreams, to pivot into the story that we never thought we'd be living, and to thrive there mm -hmm. and recognize how he is showing up in a life that looks nothing like we thought it would. Mm -hmm. And then take that a step further, we can dream new dreams and become emotionally agile, I call it, is mm -hmm. develop that agility to 
go with it, live with open hands. And then when we do, we can choose to love it. We can decide this is actually the plan A of the story God is writing and and be overwhelmed. I mean, I feel that way in my story. Like, yes, there are hard things for sure. No one is denying that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And yet... Why can't I decide this is a great story that God's writing? Mm-hmm. And I love this story. And no, this was not my childhood dream. And yet, I love this story for my life. Mm. And I'm wide awake to it. Mm-hmm. And I imagine that's where so much discontentment in so many of us adults feel. Yeah. is we can't ever dream new dreams. Well, we turned, both turned 40 last year. And it's kind of, you know, it's that milestone sort of midlife moment when you're like, oh, like, what did I, I wonder what I thought this would be, you know? And it's, it, for all of us, pretty much, it's like, just different. This is a different story than we thought we'd be living. Some right. things are way better and easier, and some things are just way crazy different than we ever and, could have imagined. And more complicated. And more complicated. And, and yet the question continues to be, like, here's the expectation of my life. Here's the reality. And the farther the space between those two, the farther our discontent, mm-hmm. the farther our suffering, the deeper our suffering. You know, I, can we, um, we often say like, can we expect like less of this world, you know, and like what we think it's gonna complete or accomplish or satisfy in us. And and sometimes we expect too much, but so can we adjust the expectation of what life and, and this painful, often broken world can be and expect more of God? Because mm-hmm. yeah. sometimes that's flipped, right? right? So like, if we're trying to shrink this expectation gap and, and you know, the dreams you know, that we might have had, that's part of our expectations. And that's a, that's a good thing to dream. But like, now I'm an adult. I'm not a kid anymore. I don't, I'm, you know, like Paul says, like, you know, when you're a child, you think like a child and, mm-hmm. you know, and speak like a child. But now, like, take on this maturity that's yours, whether you like it or not. Maybe right. you're 40 and you still think you're 20. Right. You're not. Okay, you're 40. Wake and, up. And, and that's okay. to be clear, there is a sadness in that. There's a, there is a loss. There's there. a, a loss of First innocence, a loss of... 13, 11 is what you're quoting. Uh-huh. That when you are a child, you think like a child, yeah. you speak like a child, you reason like a child, but then you become an adult, and not everybody does. But when you become <laughs> an adult, if you become an adult, yeah. you put childish ways behind you. Right. And that's a tough total to Well, that's true, and, there, and there, it's worth saying there is loss in that. Like, I mean, when I think about our now seven-year-old, Oh. When he's lost all his teeth, I mean, there oh. is like this, like kind yeah. of breaks your heart. The reality of what right. it means to, to lose sort of that early just sense of wonder and goodness and simplicity and innocence in the world, yeah. and um, and yet we know one day there will be sort of a full circle, receiving of that again, when we meet Jesus face to face. Like yes. when um, all of the the suffering and pain of the world won't be a reality anymore but that's not now and so we long to again just adjust our expectations for this life in this world we'll have trouble and not just you know john 16 33 it's like we'll have experiences that will shake us mm-hmm. to our very core mm-hmm. like we'll have earth shattering soul rendering trouble mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and we should expect that mm-hmm. and the storms of life are coming it matters what we found our life on but we know the end of the story. We know the rock that we can found our lives on. We know who has overcome it all. Mm-hmm. And so we can kind of throw our anchor, like we, with our ministry, an anchor is sort of the symbol because that's an ancient anchor, of a uh, symbol of hope, right? And so Hebrews 6.19 is this picture of our souls being anchored in heaven in this mm-hmm. sort of arc of a story that is a future reality but because of Jesus, we get to live it out right now in the present, no matter what the storms are around us. It doesn't make the storms go away. Mm-hmm. It just means we have a grounded anchoring in something that transcends those storms. And so just for us, yeah, like that's what these 15 years have been about. How do we pivot? How do we redefine? How do we reset our expectations? How do we sort of empower ourselves to love a story by dreaming what's possible in this new story, even if it's one we could have never imagined when we were kids, you yeah. know? And then in beautiful ways, God sometimes brings it full circle. Catherine um, talks about, you know, when she was a kid, she was preaching to her dolls in the closet and like, yeah. surely that would not be possible, right? She wakes up from the stroke and right. can't speak and can't walk and like, surely you're not gonna be able to 
live that dream, right? And and yet over time, we just see now, like God has given her a new version of that dream. Um, the wheelchair actually is like the vehicle for the new dream. It right. helps yes. me get onto the stage, actually. Yes. So there's, you know, just looking for this full circle, seeing the goodness of God in the land of the living opportunities in our story. That's like, that's the light. That's the deep light. You know, mm, like yes. this feels like the end, feels like the end of a dream. Yeah. Feels like the end of a season of what's possible. And yet, like there's something there deep within, in the darkness even. Yeah. There's treasure, there's light. Mm. Um, so keep moving forward towards that. Don't like deny that it's there, try to fix it. Or, you know, just like, oh, this is no big deal. Like there, there's grief and there's loss there, but like there's light there deep, yeah. deep within. And um, yeah, we get to kind of keep cheering each other on towards that light and towards that new vision of our story, our reality. Mm-hmm. That's so neat. And I would love to just be there for a second and, yeah. and kind of ask you what the story behind Hope Heals is and everything that you all do. How did you get there? Mm-hmm. And I think um, I heard in a sermon once, a waiting season is not a wasted season. But I mm-hmm. imagine that somewhere in your story, you know, did you ever lose hope or did you ever, did you always know that this would be part of, mm-hmm. you know, your story, that you would make a ministry out of it? What did that look mm-hmm. like? So the short answer is no, absolutely <laughs> not. Um, it would take years, year, five years at least, to even wrap our heads around this at all, to begin to put the mm-hmm. pieces of life back together mm-hmm. and begin to dream dreams of any kind mm-hmm. and new dreams. And um, during the first, probably 2008 to 2013, this first five years, it was survival mode, mm-hmm. which it was surgeries and therapies mm-hmm. and relearning to eat and walk and live in this world and it, it begin to embrace being disabled, which was mm-hmm. not a right away thing. It was learning how to become a full-time caregiver and care receiver. It Mm -hmm. was definitely not Mm -hmm. like, yes, now we're going to go talk about it and Mm -hmm. write about it. And Mm -hmm. it was just, we got to live. And then in time, we turned to this page where it was like, oh, wait, we can't deny how much we are able to speak and share and instill the hope of Jesus into Mm. other people. And we're writing and people are reading and just kind of happened that Mm. ministry ended up being where the Lord was taking us Mm -hmm. all along. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't automatic that I just wrapped my head around, oh, I'm now in the disability population which seems so obvious, mm-hmm. like, yes, of course, you're in the wheelchair, yes. <laughs> but it, my mind, our minds just couldn't get there yet. We were very much like, Catherine, you know, uses a wheelchair now and then, but she's really still in the able-bodied community, and maybe Jay should just go be an attorney past the California bar. Let's do that. And... Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I'm a trophy wife, so that was in the cards, too. I'm just kidding. But that's okay. Trophy wives are awesome, too. Whatever. You live your truth there. That's great. Um, But there was this sense um, throughout those early years that we so desperately Mm. needed what we didn't find out there, which was any sort of writing, speaking, ministry mm-hmm. of hope mm. for this story. Right. And we realized, oh, we're going to need to create it. Yeah. And, you know, I was we were, we were reading any book we could get our hands on, on somebody, somebody who had a stroke and lived. And there was just very little stories, um, very, mm-hmm. very little stories with any faith. Wow. And mm-hmm. almost no stories that ended well. Mm-hmm. I mean, a life Google search would tell you pretty much you're going to get divorced. Your life is going to totally fall apart. Your finances will be ravaged and everyone will leave because no one can mm-hmm. handle your life now. Mm-hmm. 
and you know nothing will continue you'll never have another child like mm. i mean doomsday was the reality of what the world is telling you mm -hmm. comes from this story sure and mm. we just wanted to be a part of writing a different narrative mm -hmm. and that's really the opportunity that we all have yes. in our lives is let's write a new narrative mm. of how to suffer well and how to you know, change up this obsession with seeking only what we thought it would look like. Mm -hmm. And only, I could really only share when things were easy. And, you know, that's stupid. And what if this story is actually one where God is most glorified? And what if that's part of the conversation? Yeah, I mean, I think, too, you realize over years, the dust settles when you've been through trauma or whatever, you've got to find a way to healing, yeah. right? And it always comes communally. You know, obviously we do the work with ourselves as individuals, but I think the, the work of healing is about a community coming yes. around side, giving you a vision when you can't hope for yourself that the community says, we're gonna hope for you until you can hope for yourself again. And that's what the body of Christ is, is activated to do in suffering. And so for us, I think we, we had this story, we didn't know what, how God might use it, what, what we were supposed to do with it, how to be good stewards of it. We, you know, bad things happen to people all the time. What's, what's different about us? Like, we don't know. Um, and yet we, we just felt like this sort of, this calling that we had been left here, that our marriage, our family had been left here. And mm -hmm. we wanted to bear witness to what God had done in our life so that other people might find a way forward in their own pain. And, and it was kind of initially for stroke survivors and pe you know just people in our very yeah. specific story, but then we just realized it sort of was began to be this opening that sort of created a universal experience of what God can do in the midst of our pain. And so, um, you know, we're all, yeah, we're all trying to find healing, but I, we have seen, and I believe you can't find healing for yourself until you're a part of somebody else's healing. Like that's, it's almost like, mm -hmm if there were steps of a process of healing, yeah. uh, like there are of grief, I mean, you, you've got to sort of work through this evolution, but part of healing is, is being a part of somebody else's healing. Mm -hmm. And most often that happens when it's, when it's those places where you've been hurt, where you've been wounded. The, the worst parts of your story are the easiest place to connect with other people and the worst parts of theirs as you look towards healing together. So uh, we often, yeah, talk about, you know, again, that Hope Heals is like this, this offering of ours to just say we you know here's what we found and here's what we're looking for and will you join us and like um this changed our life you know but it but that jump back to those places of our wounding is what most of us don't want to do because i would love to never think about brain rehab again mm -hmm. it was some of the darkest years of our life some of the darkest interactions with the people who were also in the worst nightmares of their life you know with, mm -hmm. with disability and with stroke surviving all these things and so like what name name your deepest place of pain you know any of us like if you believe it I think God is calling us all to return to those places with the healing we've received to be sources of healing for other people who are there still mm -hmm. and in so doing then we get healed more too well and what's so bizarrely incredible it's like God made it this way it majorly fills you and fuels you mm -hmm. like you think Honestly, and you probably wouldn't say this out loud, but when you're going through terrible trauma, like, I don't care if I'm blazing a trail. I don't care if somebody else is going to benefit, some stranger is going to benefit from this. Like, it, this is terrible. I don't want this for my life. And then you kind of get a little more down the road and you start to realize I am this living survival guide. I'm writing the playbook here for people I don't even know. And it changes your brain. Mm. I mean, it truly mm -hmm. is the beautiful truth of 2 Corinthians 1, that we comfort others with the comfort that we ourselves have received. And it's this cycle, and it fills you, and it's super life-giving, and you're like, I gotta keep living this out well, because mm -hmm. it matters, the person I don't even know or maybe that I do now. Maybe it's yeah. your own family that gets to go with you on blazing this new trail. And it is extremely life-giving in a way you can't really imagine until you do it. Yeah. It's like, well, well, telling your story, too, makes you want to live it better. And yeah. I think sometimes that's like feels, oh, well, that's 
is that inauthentic or, you know, what's your motivation for that? It's like, well, when we, when we put this story out there, I want to keep creating a story that's beautiful and yeah. redemptive and hopeful and helps other people and that is real and it's authentic and that's not just one note. And so I think, mm -hmm. I think part of all of our opportunities is to say, what is the story that you're telling yourself about yourself? What is the story God's written in your life? And then to tell it to other people mm -hmm. because um, a friend of ours, Kurt Thompson, who's a brilliant resource just in the, in the space of attachment theory in the space of therapeutic, just like family systems and connection and all threaded through with, with Christ. And he's just, he's one of our favorite um, teachers and dearest friends, but talks a lot about this fact of like, when you tell your story to an empathetic listener, it changes your neural pathways to believe that story more fully mm -hmm. and to then have courage to continue living it out. So for us over these 15, um, 10 years, especially of ministry and, doing Hope Heals, like, man, what what a gift has been to us to be able to tell our stories mm -hmm. to all kinds of communities, all kinds of empathetic listeners who are receiving our worst moments and our most hopeful moments and sort of like, we get to then want to live it better and we get to believe those things that we have learned that maybe maybe on a stage we're like, you know what, I don't, I'm not sure, it's pretty hard to believe that now that I say it in this moment, but I... Actually, I think I believe it now again, and I'm preaching to my own heart again. And yes. so I think there's such power to to all of us getting out of the natural tendency to just sort of isolate and feel like, ah, nobody would understand this story. It's too shameful. It's too bad. It's too dark. It's too um, too different, you know, or, or like they just wouldn't, or it doesn't matter because it's not that big of a deal compared to other things. But it's like, can we just be vulnerable in a community uh, fellow wounded healers, which Henry Nouwen says, which we love that idea. The, that's Jesus. Like, you yes. know, he comes back and he shows the scars still. Like there's a woundedness that we all carry, but we can still be healers. Mm -hmm. And so can we, you know, take that wounded healer mentality and, um, and share our lives and share our stories in a way that will encourage others to live it well, but also encourage our hearts again to keep believing that it's true. Yes, and find purpose in the pain. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I love what you say. You have a pulse, you have a purpose. Yes, <laughs> right. yes. And so just linking that and trusting that the Lord had that purpose for you and has it. Mm -hmm. And seeing that lived out so faithfully. Mm -hmm. Can you talk to us a little bit about marriage? What sure. it's been like and guidance for, you know, struggle comes in all shapes and sizes. Mm -hmm. And you can mm -hmm. see it and you can't see it. Mm -hmm. What has marriage been like? What guidance would you give to married couples? It's hard. We don't, we don't like to give marriage <laughs> advice because we're still okay. figuring it out. <laughs> we're like we're humbled. CBD. <laughs> what's your secret sauce? Yeah, what's the secret sauce? We'll tell mm. you. We'll tell you if we make it. Oh my gosh, no kidding. I'm, I'm kidding. We, we're going to make it. And I think that's part of it. You just decide. You're in this life yeah. together. Yeah. You really do. There's something to that. Like... Fake it till you make it. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe when we're 80, we will have made it. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, I think one of the things that we are both able to do is keep perspective. Mm -hmm. um, it's one of the great gifts of deep suffering when you're young um, and young married is that when our life blew up, we'd been married just over three years. So... Now, here we are 18 and a half, and there's been many more storms, mm -hmm. but nothing comes close to that one mm -hmm. in some ways. Mm -hmm. In other ways, as other legitimate storms have come, we've seen God show up, and we've seen us live and survive and thrive in the hard story. So I think it's a muscle memory too. Mm -hmm. We can yes. do it again. Sure. Um, and there's something very much to when suffering hits a couple, the tendency can be to run away from it instead of run to each other in mm -hmm. it. And I think that's probably extremely important is we're in this together and whatever we're up against, we're up against together instead of up against each other. Mm -hmm. I think that's probably a very valuable distinction in marriage. Yeah, I mean, so much of marriage, I think, is about this, again, this expectation gap. It's about this um, letting feelings be sort of maybe a signpost, but not the full 
driver of your life. So it's like, I'm not always feeling, um, you know, wanting to be a caregiver. Catherine's not always feeling wanting to be taken care of, you mm -hmm. know? I'm not and like feeling my Uber driver. <laughs> <laughs> Five, Five stars. stars. <laughs> Five stars. <laughs> but they, uh, the reality is like we get to override those emotions. Yeah. Especially with the Holy Spirit in us. We get to have these fruits that are otherworldly, that are not just like our, our fleshly go-to. Mm -hmm. To say like, I can be, I'm not feeling it, but I can still live in joy mm -hmm. and love and self-control. Mm -hmm. And I think so often disability and caregiving is sort of like, has a really beautifully structured path towards that. Like we talk about often, like we might have had a fight, but at night I have to help Catherine's um, eye that she has no feeling on the eye and the, there's facial paralysis so the um, eye can't protect itself. The eye doesn't fully close. So every night I have to wash it out and put a contact in and put this gel in and help, help recover. The contact's like a prosthetic. Yeah, like just like a covering. And so covering. The, the point is like, you know, I can't just go slam the door and leave and be like, yeah. you know, like huff off. I'm like, I have to. Or, or I can't. I can't just run out of the room. That's right. Well, the, the point <laughs> is like we we act in care because that's what is needed. Mm -hmm. um, right. And the rhythm of sort of acting in love, even if you're not always feeling it, has mm -hmm. a, a, a eroded sort of some of the hardness of heart into this reality of like, but I do, now I even love her more because I've kind of, again, taken those steps over all of these years to choose it, to, to just say, you know what? I'm not feeling it, maybe I'm hurt, maybe I'm mad, like maybe I don't want to, but like I'm gonna choose to do the loving thing and then it has created love and vice versa. I mean, that's just the work of marriage. Mm -hmm. um, and I think also, uh, I love the idea that, you know, when we marry each other, there's just all, there's a whole universe that we don't even understand or know of what we're getting into. And that's the point. That's why we're, right. we're covenanting. It's not like here's all the terms of every detail of what you're getting in this transaction because that's not what this is. This right. is to say, I don't know. Don't they I don't say know at all. That, like, and maybe this is Tim Keller's marriage <laughs> mm -hmm. again that you always marry a stranger because yeah. eventually the person you wake up next to has become a different person time and time right. again. Right, exactly. Wow. So it's always like you marry a stranger and yeah. learn to love the stranger. Right. I mean, and, and so Catherine, when we married, she didn't know she had this incredible um, ticking time bomb in her brain. No idea. And like literally under the veil, you know, it's kind of, and there's so much about me and, that she didn't know and I didn't know. Yeah. And it's like we got to choose despite not knowing the full picture of what we were getting into mm -hmm. to show up and learn to love a new person. And that's true for all of us. I mean, we, we, we don't even fully know ourselves. So how could somebody else even fully know right. what they were, what they were getting into, what, what life will look like 10 years from now, 20 years from now. And I think then you add in things like, you know, maybe parenthood or oh. big trauma or medical crisis. And you, you become a different person on the other side of that suffering changes you. So if you have these evolutions as a person, um, and as a marriage, like, so often people are just like, that's not what I signed up for. Right. And like, um, so I, I'm not gonna be able to keep showing up because that's not what I signed up for. And instead of saying like, this is something that is bigger than myself, this sum of the parts is a witness to the world of, of God's love and of this way that Jesus says he's not going anywhere no matter what in our lives and our stories. So in our marriage, we get to give that to each other and roll over in bed and be like, where, like, who is this? What happened? Like, who? I, I don't even recognize my life or you. Yeah. But I'm going to choose to learn to love a new person. Mm -hmm. And the reality is they're doing the same thing for you. They're like, who is that? And, yes. like, it's a mutual yeah. um, learning to love somebody new that I think changes. It just shifts that perspective. It's like it's a dreaming the new dreams. It's really it all links up. It's like you have the opportunity to, to step into a story you didn't imagine you'd be living. And, again, with a lot of caveats of, like, you know, there are, absolutely times when sort of this picture of Christian marriage has been like twisted to, mm -hmm. to condone, yeah, abuse and, and like, you know, horrible things. And like, that's of course not what we're talking about. We're just talking about, you know, in typical, the hardship of life together and mm -hmm. marriage together and how we change over seasons and years. Like, of course we won't be feeling it in the same way. Um, of course it might think like we didn't sign up for this, but we get to learn to love um, a new person and learn to mm -hmm. love what must be done too, which like we don't always feel like we, you know, want to do all the day-to-day the -day of like keeping a relationship 
healthy and uh, putting our needs aside for the, the cause and the, and the good of somebody else. But like, yes. yeah, there's this rhythm that's really beautiful. Um, and, and then it, it really does soften our hearts over time to say, wow, I like, can't believe we still get to do this together, yeah. you know? Yeah. And it's as hard as it is, like, it's a miracle to be married and to be um, on this mission together. Like Amen. what a beautiful, what a beautiful story we're yeah. getting to live out still. And what I hear you saying is, and talking to, is the choice mm -hmm. in victory over victimhood. Mm -hmm. And that's not to say mm -hmm. that yeah. there wasn't victimization right. in the story or anyone's story. And mm -hmm. that's not to say that victory looks perfect, right? right? But your story is one of courage and resilience. And I'd love to ask you as a parent myself, yeah. how would you recommend helping impart those qualities of courage and resilience on our children. Mm. Oh, listen, we are, we are, we'll let you know if we can it <laughs> I know, we're like, you know, we don't write a parenting or a marriage life. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's so important is how it we is. teach our children. Right. Yeah. yeah, all the things. We, we don't know the answer for sure, but we definitely have started just putting a lot of words around hard things. Yes. I think so much of our culture is allergic to hard things. Yeah. Right? Yes. Talking about the reality mm -hmm. of hardship in life. Mm -hmm. And it's so clear throughout the Bible, there will be trouble in this world. And suffering leads to perseverance, mm -hmm. character, hope. Like, why are we kind of skipping all that <laughs> and acting like life's just going to be perfect and very comfortable and easy for you, mm -hmm. little princess, prince. <laughs> and we, we have started very much narrating, even to the degree of kind of coming up with this little motto that God made you to do the hard thing in the good story mm. he's writing in your life. Mm -hmm. And we say that a lot to our children, that God made them to do hard things in the good story. And we feel like that notion of good, hard living is what children deeply mm. need to be resilient, to cultivate courage, is Jesus is with you and with him on your team. You can, in fact, yes. endure hard things mm -hmm. because greater is he in you than he who is in the world. And he is supplying every need you have, Philippians 4.19, that he is ultimately going to be in the moments that are uncomfortable, so you don't have to be afraid mm -hmm. to engage the uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Because that's what uh, us adults need to hear, Yes, is we have capacity mm -hmm. to endure hard things, and, and moments change that this may be a really bad chapter in your story, but it's not the full story. Mm -hmm. And everybody's so living for the moment that the moment has to feel good. Mm. And so like, we're hopefully teaching some grit that mm -hmm. you can endure hard things. And Love I think that's that. so important for us to teach our children. Yes. Yeah, we talk a lot about compassion with our kids too, and that looks like... <laughs> Which, yes. Compassion, too. <laughs> Compassion for others. Um, yeah. You know, encountering hard stories. Like even our the camp we can talk about in a minute is this is this community of people with all variety of really hard stories. And I think we created it for many reasons, but our kids are one of the main reasons we did because we wanted them to have a vision mm -hmm. of um, all the different variations of pain in this world, but all the different variations of joy in the midst mm -hmm. and um, and perspective, you mm -hmm. know, is key. And like saying, just because you had a really hard thing happen, again, there is this possibility of victory or you can choose a different path. You can choose that this is the worst thing that's ever happened. I'm a victim. I should be entitled to better and more. And like, how do we just shift, especially right. for our, you know, our, our young guys, like just, I want you to be a man in the world that runs towards suffering. Um, I think Mr. Rogers says, like, go, like look for the helpers. Like, I want you to yeah. be one of those helpers, like, in the world, because the world is not probably going to get any easier, you know, just, like, globally, like, in the arc, arc of history. Like, it's probably going to just keep getting harder and crazier. And um, can you feel empowered to do the hard thing because God is in you? He's equipped you with everything you need. You're not alone in it. There's a community. 
And can you run into and toward the suffering of others, even though you've had a lot of suffering yeah. yourself? And it would be understandable to just be like, I don't need any more junk. I've got enough my, uh, you know, on my own. But to say like, um, compassion is really about not just sort of feeling sorry for, pitying, even empathizing. It is about co-suffering, like compassion, the root word, like the passion of the Christ, you know, passion is, is to suffer and compassion is to suffer together. And so could, could, could you be a, a human, an adult that says like, I want to get under the weight of the world with people who are suffering, yeah. myself included. Yeah. And like together, we're going to lift up the weight of the world a little bit off of all of us collectively. So I think that's just, that's our, that's our prayer for them. And, um, you know, not knowing what storms might be ahead. And of course, as a parent, that's just, again, there's this loss of innocence. There's this like bittersweetness to the reality mm -hmm. of like, man, our parents didn't think three years after we got married, like we would be hit with this insane storm and this sort of upheaval in our, you know, future. And I don't know for our kids either. It's hard, you know, you try not to live sort of in the PTSD of that. Like, it's just, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? Like, can't, you know, like you don't want to sort of impute that on them, even though we well know, I mean, it's so fragile. Things can happen in an instant that changed everything. And so how do we sort of let them go into an unsafe world and be, be the helpers, be yes. these lights of compassion in the world, take the healing they've received and go give it away. Mm. So that's, that's the hope. And um, again, encountering start hard stories of other people is a way mm. to do that. You know, and when age appropriate, of course, but like, to not be afraid of that, you know, not to say, I don't, I don't know the answers about this, but I want to sit and, you know, give the ministry of presence and tears to people. Um, and for me, like I often, I'm an attorney by trade <coughs> training and I don't practice at this point, but, um, you know, I'm an advocate, I'm an arguer, I'm a talk, I like to talk it out, you know? And so sometimes for my boys too, it's just like, and Catherine is like having a moment of peace. She's like, I'm like, I'm like <laughs> but I, but one parenting hack, maybe this for somebody, but just this, um, it's really an open handedness posture, but it's like, tell me more. Yeah. You know, for our 15 year old that is just, you know, really feeling all the feels and struggling trying to find his place. And just, you know, we think he should know all the things by now, but he's 15. Okay. His brain's got some years left to cook. So it's like, <laughs> he, he, he shouldn't have it all together, but I shouldn't have it all together for him yet. Right. And like, he knows the end of this story that, that God has written on his heart, you know, and he mm. has seen it in community. He's seen it with his family and it's all in there. But I just, you know, I don't know. That's, that's a little, that's a side note parenting notion that's meant a lot to me is instead of just trying to put all the words and answers over him, you know, um, and sort of talk over him and sort of help make sure he knows all the right things and ideas, mm -hmm. like just tell me more about the story God's writing in your life. It mm -hmm. might be, you know, it's hard a story, but it's a good story, but tell me more of it. And so kind of empowering our kids to be the, the narrators of their own story and still believing that's a really good story that they're part of. How incredible. And I love the way that you talk about the connection with community through that and the encouragement to your boys uh -huh. to find that create that community. And what's so cool is you all both found and created a community. So I'd love mm -hmm. for you to talk about camp. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, golly, camp has really transformed our lives. Wow. It's, mm -hmm. it's as important at this point as anything else in our world. Yeah. I'm hoping that's not something weird to say. As important, <laughs> it really as, is, I mean, besides Jesus, it's <laughs> right up there with the most important Absolutely. things in our life. And yeah. camp is this crazy, beautiful, somewhat like magical and enchanting <laughs> just departure from normal life. We bring families where someone has a disability, but the whole family can come to camp for free for a week amazing. for this amazing vacation-like experience is how I best can summarize it. We make it extremely special and do things like spa day for the ladies <laughs> and cookouts for the men. And it's really like these multiple camps happening at once of children and adults mm -hmm. and people with disabilities and volunteers. And it, it's crazy. It's super um, 
Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's sacred. It really is. And we didn't realize when we started this camp that the level of joy would be through the roof. We thought, um, you know, when you gather a bunch of people together with a whole lot of just bad stuff happening on the outside of their bodies, mm -hmm. amputations, um, wheelchairs with major, major awful diagnoses mm. and, you know, people being buried mm -hmm. year to year, campers being buried. Mm -hmm. We did not assume that what would come out of these meetings is joy. Mm -hmm. Like, surely there's not a lot of joy in this situation. Mm -hmm. And we realized there is much more joy than in the outside world. That it was, it's crazy that somehow all these people with all these problems on the outside provide this level of freedom for us all. Mm -hmm. So we've got really bad stuff and it's really clear. So it's almost like we moved past that mm -hmm. already. Yeah, life is rough. So now let's celebrate being together <laughs> yeah. and being in this place and have a fabulous week. And it's almost like it took the pressure off to be perfect, mm -hmm. yeah. Which kind of is it's how powerful. every community should be, right? I think it's what the, what's possible for the church. You know, uh, we all have baggage, and we, we're church people and love the church. But you know, like there is this possibility of gathering, um, not just in spite of our pain, but because of it, as yes. it's this pathway to sort of the kingdom of God. And like um, that's what camp has become. And uh, we didn't know before Catherine became disabled, and even actually several years into that, like um, people with disabilities are the largest minority group in mm. the world. And they're the most unchurched people group in the world. And the highest per capita rates of homelessness, divorce, suicide, depression, mm. just like the story of disability is a really, really hard story. Yeah. And to add insult to injury, then most of the time, whether it's just like subconscious or how, I don't know, like we don't wanna think about our mortality we don't talk about disability. People with disabilities are kind of invisible. You know, it's like yeah. um, the world is not made for us is what people with disabilities often mm. think and feel. And disability advocates, that terminology is just like, this is a world not made for us. And so with camp, we wanted to say, if the world out there is not made for you, we want to make a world here that is made for you. And in so doing, it's made for all of us. Because when we create even sacred space that is universally designed, quite literally, and, and the table is set for all of us, then we all benefit. We all connect yes. in a different way. Um, and I think really for the church and for our culture, um, if the story of disability, which is one, as Catherine has said, that is that ties us together universally with our, what it means to be human, what it means to have a life that you don't, you know, a story you can't write the end to. You don't know what might happen tomorrow. Yeah. There may be like, whether you want to acknowledge that or not, like the story of disability brings all that to light. Mm -hmm. Like, wow, I didn't, you know, didn't think that would be how it goes. And, and it, you have a stroke out of the blue yeah. and everything changes. And mm -hmm. so there's there's a lot that we bear witness to when we bear witness to the story of disability, but we are missing something vital in the story of the church, in the story of our faith, in the story of our culture, if we don't have a seat at the table for the story of disability, because we're not fully understanding what it means to be human, what it means to be alive, what mm -hmm. it means to struggle and need help in community, what mm -hmm. it means to have joy, even in the midst of your pain, there are lessons that are transcendent. Mm -hmm. for us all through the story of disability, but sometimes we haven't even made a place at the table for that story, yeah. and it's to our own detriment. And yeah. so it just it continues to inspire us. Our new mission statement with Hope Heals is that we're creating sacred spaces for families experiencing disability, but really sacred spaces for interability community. Mm. Um, and it's, it's changed everything. Again, it's given us a reason to keep stepping into an unknown future for ourselves to, to show up with joy, even when it hurts. And even when there's just a lot weighing on us, um, yeah. it's changed everything. So again, and it's, what's amazing is we started this little camp. It's, it's in Alabama for now. I mean, maybe one day we'll God willing have our own facility retreat center. I don't know that we can do this year round, but for now we do it for, um, uh, several weeks in the summer. Okay. And we kind of thought it would just be a regional thing and it ended up that we've had people from 40 states and wow. the UK and Canada and um, just sort of this like incredible um, gathering place of people with all kinds of broken hearts, but looking for, for healing and hope in the midst. And um, 
Wow. Yeah, and then we have volunteers, kind of a one-on-one -on -one situation. So we, what we use the terminology is there's a mutuality of ministry. Mm. It's not just like, okay, I'm going to volunteer. I'm going to come and help this, you know, sad situation, this person who really needs me. It's like, I'm going to come alongside my friend, you know, and I'm going to open the door if they need it, but I'm going to learn from them too. It's this, it's this blurring of the lines that I think has been, been profound. So a lot of times we'll have families who have come as campers. So somebody has a disability and mm. the next year they'll say that I was so encouraged and filled up and empowered that I want to now serve as a volunteer. Wow. So again, it's just, it's a really unique, um, I think just picture of the kingdom. It's, it's like so the amazing. lines are blurred and um, we all have a seat at the table. Yeah. So can you tell us how do you apply to be a camper? How can you volunteer and how can we support? <sighs> sure. So everything's yep. Hopefields.org okay. or hopefields.com/camp yep. or Instagram Hopefields Camp. Okay, <laughs> all the all the find, ways. You can find out all the things there about how to come as a camper and apply, or how to apply to serve as a CC. We call them compassionate companion, mm -hmm. or how to donate. The camp is totally free to all our campers, so we have to raise a bunch of money every year. Praise <laughs> God, we're doing it. With that, a lot of joy, it's been amazing. It's yeah. been a joy, but we need support always. And and our shop too, we have a online shop, kind of been this idea of, yeah. of uh, Ebenezer's, you know, just for physical reminders, like tangible reminders of God's goodness, how far he's brought us and how far he will continue to. So we, we have a really interesting kind of curated shop, but all the proceeds, benefit yeah yes. so well for anyone who's watching i've got this hope heals sweatshirt if you're not watching it is the <laughs> softest sweatshirt yeah, i put it on right when i went home <laughs> last night i will live in it and we also Good. have Catherine and jay's book they've got how many books out two, now two, two. books and we actually third just signed signed year. on for three more so there'll be more books by the wolves in the world um which Incredible. we're grateful for and it's, yeah. All the proceeds support the camp. Yeah, if you get anything correct? on the this shop that you buy online or if you kind of if you come see us speak at an event and we have books there, those um yeah, that all kind of fuels amazing the cause. So yeah, okay. thanks for asking. Again, it's it's kind of um you know, it took a while to get <laughs> kind of comfortable asking for support or help. Yes. But I mean now yeah. it's just it's such a transformational joy. It's like it's it's like with such excitement. You we it. like you get like yeah. you get to be a part of this too. You get to donate. Yes. Can you believe it? Yes, you get to donate. Right. It's amazing. So right. um it's been a really neat kind of evolution to just say, wow, what a cool thing to invite people. We might never know this side of heaven to participate like, to be partners in this work and making the kingdom of God come alive. That's amazing. Um, in this world. So. And you have more exciting things in the works. Will you tell us a little bit about the coffee shop for all of our friends in Atlanta? Oh, yes, <laughs> sure. So truly a sacred space to come. Mm -hmm. Opening this October, we hope, October 1st, we think, or <laughs> um, 2nd, we'll see, in, in the heart of Buckhead, in the heart of Atlanta, we will have MEND, M-E-N-D, MEND, because... What we get to do as believers is be a part of mending this broken world. We get mm -hmm. to be a part of putting that human fabric that gets torn back together. Mm -hmm. And we see the population of people with disabilities being among the most um, under-resourced across the board mm -hmm. of any in our world. Mm -hmm. They particularly as people with disabilities age out of systems, their peer groups shrink mm -hmm. like crazy to aging caregivers and paid workers if, mm -hmm. they're, if they mm -hmm. even have those. And so we want to employ people with disabilities and pay them a livable wage <laughs> and give them community. And then we want our space to be a space of inter-accessibility, mm -hmm. we call it, where people of all abilities can come and just really have this new paradigm for what every business in America should do, which is make your space truly access accessible, not just on paper, right. like 
cross checking off ADA, ADA when in reality right. that doesn't begin to cut what accessibility needs to look like yeah. to actually resource a person with disability. Well, and it's, and it's back to that idea of like um, it's not that it's not that hard. It doesn't cost that much more if you do it with intentionality on the front end. If you say I'm gonna make a place here at this table for everybody, um, so the space will again not just employ people with disabilities, but be for customers of all abilities too. And um, we're just so grateful. Again, it's kind of a out of the box, maybe next project for Hope Heals, but in some ways it's so natural because we have this camp that we rent and then we leave, you know, Catherine and I will come speak somewhere and then leave. And so this will yeah. be our first sort of tangible manifestation or com a community hub for Hope Heals that you can come, oh, cool. you know, make your, make your pilgrimage from Dallas or wherever and yes. um, yeah. come to mend coffee and goods. And, um, What's really neat too is uh, through this network of folks actually around PCPC and friends in Dallas, we met a woman who is an interior designer focused on accessibility um, named Shelly Rosenberg. And she's yes. become a great friend. And so she is actually working with us on the interior design. So we wanted again to make a space that we would want to go to. Like, you know, like that we'd want to go have like work in or meet a friend out for coffee or or go get our just morning run of coffee in. and. Um, you know, a place that's beautiful, a place that brings, again, this sort of light in the dark places, you know, just because something has a, maybe a disability focus doesn't mean it has to be sterile or like kind of lower level or yeah, kind of just the crumbs. Yeah, just not beautiful, just so, not aesthetically yeah. Yeah. like high level. And what, yeah. what, it, what it translates is it says to anybody who walks in the door that you're worth this, like you were worth making this place um, for you and yes. making it beautiful and making it healing and being intentional about the details of it because you're worth it. And maybe the, again, the world might not be giving you that message. You may be feeling invisible in the world's eyes, but we want to do through the power of Jesus say like, we see you because he sees us and we uh, believe you're worth it because mm -hmm. again, we, that worthiness has been given to us. And so that's mm -hmm. our, that's our little offering. And um, we, we, with a lot of humility, but also excitement think there'll be, it might be the first of many. I could see one in Highland Park oh, or wherever yes. parks. I don't know. We, we want to make let's, that let's happen. Have, let's have another mend um, near here. But thanks for asking. Yeah, we're really, um, we're just grateful again to kind of just over these years, it's been 10 years of ministry full time for both of us um, mm. to just see where God's evolved this thing that was this tragedy in a woman's life, a marriage, a family. Mm. And in the, we often say the breaking of our hearts was the making mm -hmm. of our hearts. And I think that's possible for all of us again in this, you know, in this world, it's just, it's, yeah. it will um, give you some pain that you never imagined. And yet it will give you some joy and hope that you never imagined either. Um, and Beauty from the ashes. Yeah, that's, it's possible. So mm -hmm. yeah, we're just, yeah, grateful to keep talking about it and keep dreaming about it. Um, keep making a place for us all at the table. And oh, incredible. Thanks for having us at this table It's with today. extreme gratitude that we thank you all for being here. Is there anything as we come to a close that we didn't touch on that you want to make sure we cover? Was there? <laughs> Who knows? We covered a lot of ground. <laughs> <laughs> I think we did. Um, Oh, well, what was my final something. encouragement like that it. I love to give to anyone who will listen is there is a way for us all to think about God's goodness as already being inside of us when we know Jesus, not outside mm -hmm. of us. So when tragedy strikes, the first thing we are not thinking is God's goodness is here with me mm -hmm. because we've wrongly defined what good is. Mm. We've identified good as something outside, that good is mm -hmm. when life is good instead of God is already good to me. And in believing that, we are saying, I believe that the joy and the peace and the assurance and the presence of God is already here. Mm -hmm. So I am safe in him regardless of what's happening in the physical world. And I think that's a mm. super valuable distinction that tragically our world is not making. We see good things mm. as when life is good mm. mm -hmm. and don't correctly um, define goodness. That's great. 
What an incredible note to end on. Mm -hmm. And if you are struggling and are in pain and looking for community and healing, we encourage you to reach out to us at 214-224-2500, or you can email us at deeplight at pcpc.org. Jay, you said something last night that community is about making an invisible God visible. Mm. And that's what that's what we are here for. And that mm -hmm. has been a lot of the mission, again, of this podcast is to talk about the hard things. We can talk about brokenness in a lot of different ways, but to really dig into the specifics of what that can look like mm -hmm. and yet God's presence in all of it. So thank you again so much Wonderful. for being here today. Mm -hmm. We will check out, check out in our show notes. There will be links to everything, um, the book, the camp, um, sweatshirt that I'm yeah. newly obsessed with <laughs> and, um, and all the Bible verses that we talked about today. This just has been a very impactful time with you guys. And we hope that it reaches so many in a time of need and, and healing too. So thank you. Guys. Thanks too. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to the deep light podcast from park City's Presbyterian church. We would love for you to be our guest this Sunday morning as we gather together for worship at 8, 9.30, or 11 a.m. We are located in the Uptown Dallas area at the corner of Oaklawn Avenue and Wycliffe Avenue. To find out more, please visit pcpc.org.